It's us again here at Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. The Bills have been pretty busy in free agency with offense the latest focus. What does past free agent production forecast for the newest Bills weapons? And how much does a new play caller in Ken Dorsey factor in? We provide a look. CBS Sports' Pete Prisco joins us to talk AFC East landscape. And after the AFC quarterback shuffle, we ask, should we be concerned? Let's get it rolling! Glad you can make it in for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown, here with you. And it's a far busier free agent signing period than I believe most Bills fans anticipated. And while the Von Miller signing will understandably draw all the eyeballs... The Bills have very quietly refilled some key positions on offense, most notably guard, slot receiver, running back, along with some depth at tight end. The opening question with the additions of Roger Saffold, Jamison Crowder, Duke Johnson, and O.J. Howard is what should we expect production-wise from these new additions, particularly the skill position players? Uh, I think you can expect some stuff from Jamison Crowder. I, I expect him to kind of be on the field. Um, he and Isaiah McKenzie will probably go into the uh, preseason, if not neck and neck, probably Isaiah McKenzie will give most of the snaps because he's familiar with the offense and the mm -hmm. verbiage. Um, how that changes is going to will depend on how they play, no question. But I think those two guys in the skill position, maybe O.J. Howard, you, you know, those guys are going to flash because they're going to get opportunities to carry the football, as will the running backs. Um, Saffold is interesting. Um, it's going to be harder to see him shine. It's going to be harder to get an idea of how he's playing in there. But I think one thing will be certain if the one thing and I would look for in this, this year, as opposed to last year, even though they had a really successful year last year, mm -hmm. if they can keep the same five guys on the field, this team's going to take a step forward. Yeah. Uh, that guy's starting at left guard. Absolutely. I think for all intents and purposes. Aaron Cromer has worked with him before. He believes in the guy. He's got no sign of slowing down at age 33. Plug and play. Crowder, I think what should be noted with him is that he has been used in a similar fashion to the way McKenzie has been used here in Buffalo. Not to the degree with the Jets, because I think they were trying to figure some things out, first-year new offense, all of that jazz, but he's a guy who has experience carrying the ball in his hand. He was a running back slash option quarterback in his younger days in high school, so it's not a foreign concept to him. So I think the versatility of Crowder is something that some fans may not be aware of, how versatile they want to be with him, knowing they already have McKenzie, right. remains to be seen. His but it's interesting nonetheless. And then O.J. Howard, Steve, mm -hmm. as you've mentioned, right. physical traits. Big, strong, fast, at least in a straight line. And how much do they want to gravitate to maybe a hair more 12 personnel looks, uh, especially if they run a, a zone run scheme, you know, with Cromer here. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. I'm expecting a little more balance across the skill position opportunities as well. 
Yeah, I, guess, you might I mean, see a, that. a more <clears throat> divvied out target share, I guess is what might I'm saying. Might be more guys catching passes. I think Crowder, and you're right, Crowder and McKenzie have been used a little bit similarly, but Crowder's numbers at wide receiver dwarf McKenzie's. Um, McKenzie's been used as spots, but when McKenzie's gotten in the game. Productive. Like, yeah, he's been really productive. And I think that's one of the things maybe Ken Dorsey's saying, you know what, we might have the guy right here. Let's just see. Um, that'll be an interesting, uh, you know, um, an interesting scenario to play out during a preseason. It almost makes you wonder, is it more of a competition between O.J. Howard and Isaiah McKenzie than it is between Crowder and McKenzie? And what I mean by that is if McKenzie shines in his opportunities more so than O.J. Howard might shine in his, does this offense gravitate towards more 10 personnel? Not that you'd necessarily take Dawson Knox off the field ever, but maybe is there more 10 than 12 I guess is yeah. what I'm arguing here. More opportunities for McKenzie on the field in a four-wide set than, say, O.J. Howard yeah. in a 12-personnel set. Basically, the question we have right now that we're not going to get the answer to is who's on the field more, Crowder or McKenzie, and in what role? Um, O.J. Howard's in that mix as well, but he's the second tight end, and they're certainly not going to play, I would think, 12 personnel more than they play 10 at this point, although, you know, there's, that's one question as well. Stranger it has to be things answered. have happened. Stranger things have happened. Uh, that's going to be it. I, and, but I say this, if Ken Dorsey is anything like Brian Dable, he, the guy who he's taken over for, who's mentored him for the last four years, best production group stays on the field, yeah. and that's the way it's going to be. By no means is this a surefire way to provide a fair expectation, but since we often rely on numbers here on this podcast, that's where we're going. So first up, Jamison Crowder, a slot receiver with 650 catch seasons, despite playing through a handful of quarterback and scheme changes in his time with Washington and the Jets. He replaces Cole Beasley in a slot, a role he may very well share with Isaiah McKenzie, as we mentioned. If we look at Beasley's first year in a Bills uniform in 2019, he was the second highest passing target on the team. John Brown, 115 targets. Beasley, 106. The offense was still growing with a rookie tight end in Dawson Knox at that time and a third receiver role most often occupied by a young McKenzie who didn't do a whole lot. All Beasley did was put up 67 receptions, 778 yards, and a career-high six touchdowns. With the offense as it exists now, with Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Dawson Knox, are those numbers realistic for Crowder to duplicate? I kind of doubt he'll get 106 targets. Uh, you're right. What about uh, the 67 catches, though, for 778? Maybe. Maybe. I think right? that's the it's positive. A hard maybe. I think that's a positive. I think that's a that, in, in a best case scenario. I I think he'll get 50 anyway. Yes. I think uh, that's doable. So fit between 50 and 67. Yeah, 67. I think's got to be the high end. He's got to be digs. the primary slot to do that, though. Right. He's got to be in the on the field. If he's all rotating the time. in and out with Isaiah. That's probably not happening. Right. Together exactly. they might get there because Diggs is still going to get the lion's share of the targets. Gabe Davis remains to be seen how he handles the well, number two spot. I, I think he's going to get. I about think he's 67. Yeah, he's catches. got to. He's got to. And if, then where does Knox fit in there? And it's yeah, there's a, a lot in there. There's together. a lot in there. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns. But all of those guys have every reason to believe they're going to have productive seasons uh, with the way the Bill fins, Bills' offense is structured. Next up, O.J. Howard. The last time a free agent tight end joined the Bills was also in the 2019 season. Tyler Croft came in. Injuries kept him off the field for the start of the year. He ended up appearing in just 11 games, had just 14 targets with six receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown. He was second fiddle to Knox, and his targets were minimal. And this was before Stephon Diggs was even on the roster. 
His numbers were better in 2020, but not by much. Inactive for four games on the COVID list, uh, missed two more games. Didn't get more than 15 snaps on offense in two other games. He did have the game-winning touchdown catch against the Rams in the waning seconds back in Week 3. But should we expect O.J. Howard to be just as far down the pecking order here? It's hard not to think that way, right? right? With all the names we've mentioned. Exactly. If... If he gets on, if Dawson Knox gets hurt or injured and has to come in for a game or two, yes. If they go some two tight end, okay. Uh, if they catch lightning in a bottle out of the two tight end set, and you know, Devin Singletary or or somebody else, um, Duke Johnson starts to catch lightning in a bottle and they start running for 165 yards a yeah. game, okay, all right, maybe. But OJ Howard's got to get on the field. That's the big question. And his total season, yeah, if, if, it's, if things go as they're slated to go, you're looking at a, a year like Tyler Croft. Yeah, I, I don't know that the opportunities are going to be there for O.J. Howard unless he convinces them he deserves more. If he, like, shows up in spring camps and he's killing people. Like, if you're right. out there in practice. If he's out running people. If he's Jordan yeah. Poyer and Micah Hyde and you're making plays down the seam, well, then they may reassess things. Yeah. And maybe there's a given matchup in a given week where maybe the safeties stink at covering athletic tight ends for the opponent that you're playing that week. And you say, well, let's dial it up for him this week and see what happens. It and then could, if he shows out, maybe he gets another opportunity you know, the next week. It could be, too, there will be situations where they go tight ends a lot, like in the red zone. They could get big O.J. Howard down there, Dawson Knox down it's there. Two six five targets. Two six five targets and the threat of powering it in with those two guys up front blocking. Um you could see, I could see, you know, OJ coming in and having a season like, like, you know, like Croft did two years ago, where he comes in and has twenty catches, eight touchdowns in the oh, red zone. You know what I mean? Look at that! But it'd be twenty catches for. I'd sign up for that. Twenty catches for thirty-five yards. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those kind of things. Um, you know, a la Butch Roll back in the Butch day. Butch Roll. So, I could see that. Okay. Uh, and then you could also do that on some short yardage, and then all of a sudden you get a catch and he snaps it off. In a short yardage, you hit him like a red zone thing out in the midfield on a short yardage play, and he snaps it off yeah. and outruns people to the end zone. Things like that could happen. But he's got to get on the field, and I yeah. think that's job one for OJ. And then there's Duke Johnson. We have a couple of examples to work off of in terms of free agents with Frank Gore and Matt Breida. Breida, as we know, fell out of favor with the coaching staff due primarily to ball security issues and only appeared in nine games last year. Despite having just 33 touches on offense all season, he did contribute three touchdowns, much like your O.J. Howard scenario that you were suggesting. In Gore's only season with Buffalo, he had 166 carries and 13 receptions, good for almost 700 total yards and two touchdowns. While we might not expect a total of 179 touches, we do expect to see an uptick in receptions with Duke Johnson, right, based on his previous history. I think best-case scenario, he gets the same 179 touches. Best-case scenario. But it would be 65 catches and 100. I think it could get that for him. eh, Probably not. That's best-case. 165 catches and 80 carries kind of thing, right? So, um, yeah, I think 179 touches would be absolute best-case. That's a lot. Seems like a lot to me. But it was also – I would knock it down closer to, like – 70 to 90 total touches. Yeah. Um, I think Devin maybe Singletary's, 100. Singletary's going to be hard to get off the yeah, field. Yeah, maybe 100 unless, you know, Zach Moss suddenly revives his career and can challenge for the number two role. But 
I think Duke Johnson is here to be a pass catcher, and that means he's probably your third down back. Right. The, he'd get 160 carry or 150 carries if he plays four game stretch yeah, when when Duke, when uh, Devin Singletary is injured or something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't see um, that happening. He'd have to start a stretch of games and. If that happens, okay, he may get that many right. touches. Doesn't seem to be in the cards for me. They're and still going to rotate even if he does start yeah. the game. And then you'll also have to consider this, Steve. Devin Singletary is in the last year of his rookie contract. Zach Moss hasn't wowed anybody yet. And you got Duke Johnson on a one-year deal. I think it's pretty likely the Bills are drafting a running back because are you going to pay Devin Singletary a second contract at the running back position? When you're so tight against the cap with other positions you're going to have to take care of in the future here, Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis, you're not signing a running back to a big second contract, especially not one who's – I mean, Devin Singletary is a nice player. Is he a world beater? He's not Jonathan Taylor. You're I not would... signing him to a second contract after this year in all likelihood. you got to get no. somebody else in the pipeline. No, you got a guy in the pipeline. But with Moss, I just wait till you can draft one next year. Um, that's – that's what I would think. This year's not a not a, a must unless it's a sixth or seventh round. I'm just saying, yeah, middle round. Uh, maybe uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't draft one this year. I'd wait. Yeah, I, another year. All right, fair uh, enough. You could get one this year, but where are you going to put him? You're not. You know, he'd be on the practice squad, and then you've wasted a sixth pick on a guy that you're not right. going to see. And you know, I I get all that, but I no, this year's not the year for me for that. I would. Yeah, I would go with Duke Johnson, Devin Singletary, and and. Zach Moss, those three guys are plenty good enough for this. Yeah, and uh, then you just bring in a, a flyer, you know, some undrafted kid. Yeah, bring in a kid with some traits or a free agent with some traits yeah. who, who wants to play. But you got a, a guy on a one-year deal in Duke, fine. Devin's on a, a one-year deal yeah. with Devin, fine. Those guys are going to be highly motivated to play well. Uh, and Zach Moss is going to be trying to get on the field hard to get his career back on track. So he's going to be highly motivated. Perhaps the most important part of this new free agent production equation is the fact that Buffalo has a new offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey. While Dorsey is surrounded by a quality group of offensive assistants in Aaron Cromer, Joe Brady, Mike Shula, among others, the collection of assistants is also brand new. That combined with the fact that Dorsey is his own man and not Brian Dable, how could this shift the balance of targets for each of these new players? Because they're not any more new to Dorsey calling plays than any of the other guys. He's seen the other guys perform in this offense. Okay, there's a track record there. But these guys are new along with him calling plays, which is new. It, it could be that Ken Dorsey's been sitting there going, yeah, I know, I love Steph Diggs, he's great, but I see something where teams are really going to struggle with it. And all of a sudden, a guy like an Isaiah McKenzie or Gabe Davis or an O.J. Howard or Dawson Knox, whoever, you pick a guy other than Diggs, this guy's been underutilized and utilized wrong. I'm going to use him differently. And all of a sudden, a guy like Isaiah, one of those other guys, jumps out and has 75 targets in the first three or four games. And it's something that the team, that opponents hadn't been seeing before. Ken Dorsey's seen it, and he's going to use it and exploit it. And the Bills jump out and go 4-0, and and Josh Allen's killing it because Steph Diggs is getting – nine targets a game this other guy's getting 16 targets a game and it switched things around and because of that because of ken dorsey's eyes and these other guys on the offense seeing it that way things change like that 
But there's going to be a guy on this offense, most notably probably Steph Diggs, is going to get the lion's share of the targets. But it could change if, by some measure, this coaching staff sees this offense and these personnel and these, this skill set and these group a different way than Brian Dayball did, even with Ken Dorsey on the, on the I, staff. I think there will be different preferences. It's impossible for us to know what those would be. It's impossible for us to know how they might morph and change or shift and change as the season wears on right. based on the upcoming opponent. And, you know, we knew that Brian Dable was matchup oriented first when crafting a game plan. He would find the best matchup, try to exploit that through the course of the game plan, and then shift and change as the game wore on. Right. Does Dorsey take that same approach, or is his approach slightly uh, different? I, I don't think, know. I think they got to do it. That's the way it's done in the yeah. NFL. They're gonna, they're gonna every between every series and during the series, uh, when you know Josh Allen doesn't have a voice, he has to listen. And Ken Dorsey and Cromer and Shula and these guys are over there going, "Hey, listen, here's what they're doing. Let's try this now mm -hmm. instead of waiting until you know." But and they've got to be on the fly. You've got to keep doing that. And in, I think last NFL. year we did not see Dayball at any point in the time force feed the ball to Stephon Diggs. Um, but that's the guy that can help you win the most. Yeah. Does Dorsey take a different tact with that yeah. in a given week? That, yeah. the, you know, these are all preferences and choices that we have nothing to go off of because Dorsey has never yeah. been the play caller can, before. You, That's what makes it so intriguing right. for me. Last year you see it where Diggs would be, you know, have two targets in the opening half of the game, and then all of a sudden the defense says, well, if they're not going to do this, we got to stop these other guys, and then all of a sudden well, then start, Diggs starts to Look at Gabriel Davis in the divisional playoff. Exactly. Gabe, I mean, he and, took over. And kudos to Josh for seeing it yeah. and going to Davis all day. They were not going to let Steph Diggs beat him. Gabe Davis almost did. Yeah. Right now, new customers at FanDuel can get their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just sign up today by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or by downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We shift the discussion now to the numbers game. And, Steve, you're going to be tasked, no pun intended, with mm -hmm. naming the Bills player who is tied to the stat line. So I give you a stat line, and you tell me what – player that stat line belongs to. All right. Are you ready? Okay. All right, here we go. Is that is this this year? Well, no. I okay. will explain. All right. I will okay. explain. Right. Uh, this, number one, this defensive player had the following stat line in 2019. 32 tackles. 13 tackles for loss. Six and a half sacks. 18 quarterback hits. Two pass breakups. And a forced fumble. Jordan Phillips. It is not Jordan Phillips. That's a damn good guess, though. I think you're on the Shaq right. Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson is correct, Steve. Very well done. Yeah, okay. Who has All returned right. to the Bills for his second stint after signing a one-year contract. Okay. Number right. two. Off to a good start. Number two. <laughs> this offensive player had the following stat line in 2020. 30 receptions, 282 yards, and five touchdowns. Dawson Knox. It is not Dawson oh, I Knox. I thought I got that one right out of the gate. 30 receptions. 282 yards. Five touchdowns. Gabe, uh, Gabe Davis. It is not Gabriel Davis. He had seven touchdowns in 2020. But you're, you're, you're on the right track. You're getting warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm, that's not John Brown. Let me see. 
Isaiah McKenzie. That would be correct. It Isaiah is. McKenzie. Wow, that, I did not Big get three that. touchdown game against the oh, Dolphins. Oh, that's and, right. Three touchdowns on week 18 and or 17. He had yeah, two okay. other touchdowns. That five touchdowns. I didn't, I didn't attribute that to. That's right. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, we're not trying to be super easy. That got here. me there. Okay. Number three. This defensive player had the following stat line in 2021. 50 tackles, 19 for a loss, nine and a half sacks, 17 quarterback hits. Oh, that's Jordan Phillips. That is not Jordan Phillips. We're talking this past season. In in Buffalo. Not necessarily. Ah, okay, that's what I'm thinking. It's a player that is on the Bills roster now. Oh, it's Vaughn Miller. It is Vaughn Miller. You are correct. <laughs> I forgot. I forget that guy's on our team. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? It's kind of it is so awesome. awesome. It is delicious. Awesome. As you wow. say, lap it up like <laughs> chocolate pudding. Rub it on your face. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, here's number four. This offensive player had the following <clears throat> stat line. In 2020, 77 carries for 235 yards and a touchdown, 28 receptions for 249 yards and a touchdown. Devin Singletary. It is not Devin Singletary. How many receptions? 28 for 249 yards and a touchdown. In 2020. 2020. Somebody that is on the Bills roster for the 2022 season. Is that Knox? It is not Knox. Say it again. 77 carries. 70, oh, carries. 235 okay. yards and a touchdown. 28 receptions, 249 yards and a touchdown. So a total it's of not, just about 500 total yards from scrimmage. It's not Singletary. It's not Singletary. It's not Knox. It's not. We already did Isaiah. And this is not necessarily, as we pointed out with Von Miller in the last answer. Right. Oh. Oh, Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson is your answer there. Yeah, Correct. Okay, you got me on that. There you go, Steve. Oh. Well done. Pretty good. You went. I mean, it took you a couple of guesses on a couple. I was, I was, but you went four for four in the end. Yeah, I was. You got close to the bullseye. You were, yeah, was, you were right. Yeah. I was, couple I was of, in. Yeah. Couple of twenties. I wasn't off there with my rocker. Couple of twenties, couple of eighteens there yeah, on there the dartboard. That's right. Not bad at all. All right. Joining us now is senior NFL writer for CBS Sports, Pete Prisco, who is ready to talk about the changing AFC East landscape and the state of quarterback talent now in the AFC. Here is Pete. All right, Pete, let's start here with essentially the news of this past week, which is Tyreek Hill into the AFC East to the Dolphins, some people are already saying they've leapfrogged the Patriots in the division with everything they've done this offseason. Um, Patriots, curiously quiet uh, through the course of this early free agency period. But where do you think that puts the Dolphins now on this division landscape anyway in the AFC East? Well, I think they're pushing the Patriots. I'm not necessarily going to say that they're there. Uh, you know, just look, Tyreek Hill adds a nice dimension to any offense. We know that. You guys know that. You've seen it firsthand. Um, and, and I think it's going to help Tua, but this is all about him. You, you know, you can talk all about, about getting Hill and, and getting Armstead that play left tackle, but if Tua doesn't take the next steps, then it's not going to matter anyway. So, uh, again, I go back to what I said. I, I don't necessarily think Tua is a franchise quarterback. I didn't think that before the draft, and I didn't think it when they were tanking for Tua, which everybody thought they were doing. So, 
Uh, it's about him. If he grows uh, and becomes a real good quarterback, then there'll be a good team. But it's on him, by the way. And, you know, you hear things that he wasn't exactly the hardest worker in the world inside that building. And that's that's a concern because if you're a quarterback, you got to be working all the time. You guys know that. Yeah, and that's really the conversation in the entire division centers around what Tua is going to do. The Dolphins have done everything, a lot like the Cleveland Browns did for Baker Mayfield two years ago, bringing in all this talent, a good defense, great running back, some wide, out, wide receiver help. It didn't go that well for in an injuries-filled season for Baker. Tua's in the exact same boat. Correct. I mean, this roster um, – face value it's pretty close to being a playoff roster at least right if with a with great quarterback play yeah I think it is I, I think when you look at it you know I mean across you add you're talking about the Dolphins adding Armstead and Hill and um, you know you're adding talent and and they didn't they were the offensive line was bad they've used a lot of premium picks by the way on that offensive line it was bad you put him in there now you got competition uh, with Jackson can play guard on the other side. You, they also added Connor Williams to play left guard. I don't think he's a great player, but he's an upgrade. Uh, so I think they're going to be better defensively. I still think they need another, you know, dynamic edge rusher. Agba, they've re-signed him. He's a good player, but he's not dynamic. He's a, you know, power player. So they have some holes, but they're moving in the right direction. But think about this, though. If Tua doesn't play well, Teddy Bridgewater will play. That means you're back to a bridge quarterback, no pun intended, and what do you do next year? You got to go into the draft and try and find one. So yeah. uh, it's always about the quarterback position until you solve it. Uh, you're going to be chasing it for a long time. Right. Uh, Von Miller addresses the one thing the Bills couldn't do consistently, probably each of the last two playoff runs, which is get the opposing quarterback on the ground. With all of these quarterbacks climbing into the AFC, seemingly filling every vacancy known to man and, and upgrading the quality of the quarterback uh, pecking order in this conference, how does that even add more significance to the Von Miller signing for the Bills? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, look, we heard that same cry last year for the Bills, which is why they drafted those two guys, you know, yeah. early in the draft, you know, right. Russo and Basham, and it, and it still didn't rush the passer well enough. So uh, I, I think you get a guy like Von Miller, he gives you that dynamic pass rusher. When you play all those teams in the conference with everybody having a, a lot of them having great quarterbacks, you got to be able to knock them down in crunch time. I mean, that's the key thing. Knock them down in crunch time, force a turnover in the fourth quarter. And that's what Von Miller can do. I, I, I love the aggressiveness of the bills and what they did. I really do. I mean, you look at it, they want to run the ball. You can see that they add Saffold. You know, what, what happens with Bates at left guard is interesting since he's a restricted free agent. They could address that position in the draft. Uh, I think, you know, bring back McKenzie's good for the slot. Uh, bring, you know, get Crowder to replace Beasley. That's a good move. I mean, Tim Settle's an underrated player on the yeah. defensive line. The Bills were the best team in the league last year. And if they didn't blow it with the 13 seconds, they win the whole thing. I hate to say that to the Bills fans because that's the reality of it. They were the best team. And I think they will be the best team going in this year. I think that team is loaded. Yeah, yeah, you're you're preaching to the choir here. The Bills <laughs> fans have but you gotta live with it, right? You gotta live with the 13 yeah. seconds and you gotta get over it and use it, chew it up and sock it away for fuel uh, for upcoming seasons. And that and this next season is in a conference where you've got no less than six or seven, you know, quarterbacks that are franchise guys. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, 
uh, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. Uh, now Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan have come over to the conference. Derek Carr is in the conference. It's an uphill road just in the AFC to get to the Super Bowl this year, let alone what's what's happening over on the other side of the of the of the league. Give us your take on the quarterbacks in the conference, what it's going to take, what it's going to look like, and how it affects each of you know the Bills actually particularly. Well, by the way, you forgot Joe Burrow, Steve. Yeah. I mean. We- you know, it's amazing. I mean, you, you can, that's what you do. And I've done the same exact thing. You go all the way through all these guys and you go, oh, wait, I forgot that guy. That's how deep it is. This, this conference yeah. is unbelievable when it comes to quarterbacks. And it's going to be a war. You know, people will look at the Colts and say, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is still a quality quarterback. Maybe he's not the MVP he was a couple of years ago, but he's been beat up. He's been sacked 40 plus times in each of the last four seasons. He's been beat up. Now he goes to the Colts with a good offensive line and a run game. He's going to be that much better. So, yeah, it's going to be a war weekend. Thankfully, the Bills, for the Bills fans, you're not in the West because that thing is going to right. – they're going to, you know, cannibalize each other. That's what's going to happen out West. Every single team uh, has made improvements except for the Chiefs, and we know they're still one of the best teams with Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I think it's going to be tough to navigate through the West. It's going to be tough to navigate through the AFC, and, and that's why – Home field advantage, and the Bills have to realize this because they've they've done their part in the playoffs. But they got to get a the championship game in their building and and get it in their building, and and that's the most important thing through the regular season. Do you right. think their chances to do that are enhanced because of what the AFC West has become? You mentioned the cannibalization. Let me try that and slow down to say it. Um, and the AFC North, you could argue, is more competitive in terms of maybe what those teams could do to one another. The Bills are in a division where, yes, Miami's a little bit better, but I don't think anybody thinks anyone in the division is touching them. Could they somehow find an easier path to the top seed in the AFC because of what those other divisions look like with stacked quarterback divisions? Absolutely. I think this is the great opportunity for the Bills to to get the number one seed. And again, I go back, New England and Miami, and, and, and Miami has the issue with Tua. And, you know, let's be honest about it. For all the rave about Mac Jones early in, in the year, he kind of tailed off a little bit at the end of the season. And so there's still some questions about him as well. Uh, and they haven't done a, a lot in the offseason, which they usually don't. They did a year ago, but this year they're not. And, and so I think it's Buffalo, and then there's a drop down. And, and for that reason, I think Buffalo should be the number one seed in the AFC because the only other option would be if Tennessee somehow ran through the South because the South – with Texans and Jaguars is, isn't great right now. And the Colts are still a little bit unsettled in some spots. So I do think it'll be Buffalo though, because the other divisions are so tough. What about the other conference? I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers signing back with green Bay. Devonte Adams is out. Um, he's still in the same division with the lions and the bears. So there's that. And then also the, the Minnesota Vikings with a new head coach. I mean, it looks like another cakewalk, for Aaron Rodgers to get into the playoffs and how deep can he go if he gets there or when he gets there? Yeah. And I think they'll use their one of their first round picks, maybe both of them on, on wide receivers, which is something they haven't done since 2002 when they drafted Javon Walker way back in the day. And and so I do think you have to do that early. I, they'd love to bring back Valdez Scantling because I think he's a deep threat. I'm surprised he's not getting more play around the league in terms of uh, the free agent market, but uh, they, they will be fine. I mean, they'll be the same team they were as long as Rodgers throwing around. And people forget, 
if they don't get a punt blocked against the 49ers, they're playing home in the championship game too. Like the, you know, like the bills would have been if they didn't have the 13 seconds. So it's just, sometimes the little things go against you and prevent you from winning a Super Bowl. And now you have to respond to it. But when you have Rogers, when you have Josh Allen, those guys will respond to it. and The team will respond to it as well and move on. Last one I've got for you, Pete. Um, I know you've had your ear to the ground in Jacksonville for a long time, so I'll ask you this. What do you think Doug Peterson can do for Trevor Lawrence's game in year two? Well, I think he's going to elevate his game in a big way. I, I think that kid's, you know, it, it's he's got star written all over him. He's a lot like, in my mind, he's a lot like Josh Allen, the, the early growing pains and then growth in the second year and then stardom. And, and that's where I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be. It was a disaster last year. I mean, Urban yeah. Meyer was in over his head. The, the feeling in the building was miserable. Uh, you know, I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about the staff. I'm talking about the, you know, the support staff. Everybody was miserable. He made it miserable. Doug Peterson comes in, different feeling. Uh, he's got skins on the wall. He won a Super Bowl, so he's got that cachet. And the players will respond to that. And I think for, for Trevor Lawrence, going to be very good for him. They're going to be much improved uh, on offense. And, and by the way, in, in, in week 18, when they beat the Colts in, to prevent them from going to the postseason, he was really good that day in terms of giving people an idea of what he can become. So I, I think they're going to be much better. They're not going to be a playoff team, but they're going to be much better this year. Pete, thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate you as always, man. Thanks for giving us some insights. You got it, guys. Take care. All right, the quarterback carousel spun like the Wheel of Fortune this past week. Deshaun Watson traded to Cleveland. Matt Ryan traded to Indianapolis. Atlanta signed Marcus Mariota. And New Orleans re-signed Jameis Winston. With a more talented Matt Ryan with the Colts than Carson Wentz and a more talented Deshaun Watson in Cleveland only adding to the glut of top-end quarterbacks in the AFC, Steve, should we be concerned in how that could impact a Bills championship run. You should always be concerned with good players in your conference, and that the Bills should be. I mean, this is not – the Bills are not going to go 17-0, and and they're going to run into some teams that are playing really well with some talented guys taking snaps, obviously. I mean, you go down the list, um, it's going to be a gauntlet getting to the Super Bowl through the AFC this year. Certainly you can make a case that Russ Wilson makes the Denver Broncos markedly better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Carr, with the addition of Devontae Adams, is a better. They're a better team. Khalil Mack to the Chargers, uh, along with Justin Herbert and all the weapons with Mike Evans and now Mike Williams, Mike Williams, and of course Keenan Allen. Uh, that's big. Uh, Robert Woods back in the AFC over to the Tennessee Titans is going to help Ryan Tannehill and that team play better. Um, and Lamar Jackson's Lamar, healthy again. Oh, Lamar Jackson's healthy. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Lamar Jackson's He's healthy. He's like an afterthought. Deshaun Watson at Cleveland is going to hurt uh, back on the field after his problems, right. uh, or at least at some point back on the field after his problems. And even if the Cleveland Browns don't make the playoffs, they're going to be playing better at the end of, end of the season after his suspension is served. They could be a spoiler at least, if not a dark horse. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Miami um, – Getting Tyreek Hill helps Miami, and I think there's no question it hurts Kansas City. They're going to have a hard time filling that void. Kansas City got a little bit worse. Miami got markedly better. Uh, I still don't – I think that helps the Bills against the Chiefs, obviously. 
uh, and it makes the two games against Miami that much more problematic. Yeah, it's not just the quarterbacks, but it's the quarterbacks and everything else that has happened that makes the AFC a lot more difficult uh, to get to the top of. But we had one of the best, if not the best, team in the conference last year, and they got better. The Bills got better. So it's going to be a fun year, interesting year uh, coming up. Yeah, I think there are concerns to have. The suspension, the anticipated suspension for Deshaun Watson, hopefully would take the Browns out of the equation in terms of truly contending for like a top seed in the conference. If he misses six yeah. games, that's right. going to make it supremely they, difficult for them to compete for a right. top seed in the conference, let alone get in the playoffs. I think the Dolphins can probably be the second-best team in the AFC East now. I think they've leapfrogged New England, uh, in my opinion, with what they've done down there and may challenge for a wild card this year. I mean, that was a, what were they, a nine-win team last year? Uh, a couple more wins. Now you're at 11, and there you go. Uh, AFC North, it's, it's still probably Cincinnati and Baltimore. I mean, I, Mitchell Trubisky, what can he do in Pittsburgh? But here's the bottom line for the Bills. They have to play every team in the AFC North. That means you're playing Burrow, potentially playing Watson, depending on where you play him on your schedule and the suspension that he's likely to serve. And then you still have to deal with Pittsburgh, who still has a pretty damn good defense, although they have some holes to fill on the back end. <laughs> and then, you know, you've got the other AFC teams that are all going to be jockeying for position. The Colts are in suddenly a pretty easy division, aside, unless Trevor Lawrence has a monster year under Doug Peterson. Uh, and that's a young up-and-comer. And you hope the AFC West beats up on each other and doesn't have a record right. to contend with a one-loss record like the Bills. But, yes, it is a concern. Um, I think... You look at what Matt Ryan could potentially do in Indy. Veteran quarterback knows what he's doing. I mean, that team is better than they were last year at the quarterback. The position. Bills don't have to play the AFC West, except they play Kansas City. Right. Um, they play Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore. That's a tough division. And the Pittsburgh Steelers beat this Buffalo Bill team last to, year with Ben Roethlisberger. And they got to play Tennessee again, the right. other first place team. Mitchie Biscuits is better than Ben at this point, in physically. His Physically, and, he's, and he presents more different problems than Ben did. So the Pittsburgh's going to have every reason to think they're going to bounce back a little bit this year. And then also, you're right, they've got to play Tennessee. Um, you, it's, you'd be hard-pressed to tell me the Bills don't have a chip on their shoulder when it comes to Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs are what they are. They're, they're that you know ubiquitous specter on the horizon that you're always shooting and they for. and even, they got even juju smith schuster who helps kind of replenish their receiving core to a certain extent but no tyree kill no byron pringle right so they're, they're going to have and no demarcus robinson they're going to have roles to fill depth wise and in terms of top of that pecking order as well but still it's patrick mahomes who can make everybody on his team look better on the offensive side of the ball. Right. That'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to so you know when the next episode is available for you. And always remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll see you next week, everybody.